So how's it going, bro? It's good. Good, you know. It's uh, it's kind of a, the end of a strange year, and uh, it's been actually pretty good for me though. I got my national board certification for teaching, um, oh, awesome. which comes with a raise, a raise, and also I get to be a part of like the the leadership team for the uh, uh, Los Angeles Unified School District. Um, so I create curriculum for uh, PE teachers. It's really cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's been awesome, man. Reading a lot of books this year. Yeah. Trying to, that. That was, that was yeah. Cool. Trying to read a hundred books this school year. Uh, I think I'm at 66. I forgot. I haven't posted the last three. What's his name? Ty Lopez is really into that idea. If you want to be a huge entrepreneur or whatever, or you want to be rich, you got to read a lot of books. Yeah, I'd say read the right books. Can you send me what um, what list you're going off of for that? Because I might want to check out the books you're looking at. And that's just from my head. I just pick. Uh, it's either like it's like over half of them are audio books that you know my my lady and I listen to. We got an audio splitter, so we go on like five like three to five hour walks, and then we're using a, the splitter to both listen to the same audio book together. We're walking in the neighborhoods and stuff, um, and then. Uh, you know, like this book, Why Are All the Black Kids Sitting Together in the Cafeteria? It was a book club book for my uh, school. And Thinking Fast and Slow is one of my favorites, uh, doing the Curier method uh, with it, uh, trying to publish a, uh, uh, with my PhD, my PhD friend, trying to do the Curier method. Uh, have you ever heard of that? No, what is it? So you, after every chapter, you stop, you write a journal, and it somewhat pertains to whatever the chapter is but you just write a journal after every chapter uh and then uh you know i don't know what you do at the end of it but uh, i think uh, he knows so and we're going to publish a you know an article of our experience doing that with this book thinking fast and slow it's really cool uh, a lot of here is like a lot of the like how good our intuition is most of the time and then how you know tragically flawed our uh, intuition can be, you know, at times, um, you know, people can be false uh, judgments. Yeah. 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 It's almost to the point where people can be predictably irrational. And so that's cool. That it's, it's interesting, especially when you think of, uh, like this guy, you know, Daniel Kahneman, he's a, he's a, uh, cognitive psychologist or he, you know, his, all, all of his stuff is cognitive psychology, but he created, he got the Nobel prize for, uh, econ in economics, because yeah. all of his stuff, because uh, well, mainly because he created an entire new field of economics called behavioral economics, and uh, it's fantastic, bro. It's a good, um, it's a good read. Um, yeah, and just understanding the mysterious minds, man. <laughs> yeah, dude. I wanna, I wanna say, I wanna brag for you for a little bit, Nick, because uh, you know. It's better that other people brag for you than you do it yourself. I know that for, for a fact, but because uh, then, then you look like you're boastful. So I just want to say, man, this from what I've uh, researched about you, I mean, you seem like a really awesome dude. You're doing uh, you're doing what, what you said, you're doing the Ph.D. program, really popular, seem very successful. You're also doing things in movies. Yeah. Um. Like, it seems like you got a lot going on right now. Um, 
Yeah, always. Yeah. If I don't have a lot going on, man, I get in trouble. Uh, I think I have a very hyperactive uh, mind and I have to, I have to have a lot of stuff, man. Like, I mean, there, I can also, I've gotten better now. I can sit and do nothing, you know, meditate and whatnot, but man, I gotta, I have to be working towards a mid to a top level goal all the time because without that, I just, I just start getting into really dark stuff, you know? Um, and I, and yeah, part of, you know, part of doing these crazy things every year is just trying to, you know, have something to be the Velcro on my shoes to keep me on the planet, you know? What type of dark stuff you get into if you're not doing it? Yeah, just, you know, all the typical stuff, you know, existential stuff. Like, what if there is no meaning? What if there is no purpose to this? What if the, what if the, the it is an illusion of self that we all have and then, and, and all of that stuff and, you know, it's, all that stuff, you know, it's, it just gets uh, super existential and depressing and um, unproductive for the most part. I mean, some of that stuff's really good to dive into, man, to, when you're creating art, right? You're trying to, trying to write about something. Uh, and a lot of times when people write about the human experience, it's the, it's the deep, dark, and ugly stuff too, you know, that's, that's uh, potent, you know. It's, it's, it's funny. I, I was listening to the, that book, that audiobook too. Why? Why are all the black kids sitting together in the cafeteria? Yeah. I think. I think that we, because um, I don't know. People probably don't know about this, but we both played uh, college basketball a little bit. I was uh, I was at UC San Diego, but it's a long story with my with my situation. But my whole life, I was always uh, all my best friends were black, yeah. quote unquote. Black's a social construction, but. You know, so I, I remember like in college, I was always obsessed with everything, quote unquote, st studying everything I have to do with black. I knew about Dr. Sebi. I was studying his stuff my freshman year of college. That's, you know, now everybody knows about him because of uh, he recently became popular. Um, kind of in the in the spiritual community among a lot of uh, like black, uh, quote unquote, black uh, performers. Um, yeah especially after uh, Nipsey Hussle was killed because uh, Nipsey Hussle was, there was some sort of conspiracy theory that he was killed because he was trying to promote uh, Dr. Sebi's stuff. But I remember I was listening to him when I was a, a freshman in college. And I, I mean, I was doing everything rap because I was a rapper, you know, that, I was, I was big with the rap music. My, my best friend, Ronaldo Woolridge too. He's a big time rapper. He says he's going to put me on his podcast soon, but uh, you know, I was always hanging out with him and he was philosophical too, but so I was doing everything rap and rap is stereotypically associated with black people doing the basketball. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I was, I was studying that stuff all the time. And I, in, at UCSD, I was taking a sociology class. Actually, I was in a, I was in a, a whole camp because there's five schools at UCSD. One of them is uh, Marshall college. They have Roosevelt College they have different colleges within that campus and what my college was the private the, the focus that they had was on sociology so I had to take a class on dimensions of culture so we're studying uh race ethnicity uh sexuality gender so I was just like inundated with all that stuff but I loved it it was so fun and, and I remember all the teachers loved me too because I was so passionate about that and my, my, one of my teachers was like, you should be a sociologist. 
because you know you you really are into this stuff. But yeah, do you do you feel like the same thing with you that you maybe that are do you have kind of an inclination or predilection toward like studying race and stuff maybe because you grew up playing basketball and stuff and there you know that's stereotypically in our culture it's stereotypically a lot associated with black people because you know as we, we were taught in the sociology stuff sociology classes a lot of it has to do with your cultural environment and and uh you know you grow up in the ghetto and and, and in our culture it's not because they're black that they grow up in the ghetto it's because they were labeled black and their socioeconomic differences that put these you know, that, that create the, the stratification and now they're in quote unquote ghettos and in, in, in such situations, there's no, there's no way out other than as a rapper say basketball, rap, um, selling drugs. And now we have all these, now we have all these people think, oh, black people, quote unquote, oh, they're, they're selling drugs because they're, they're black, they're evil. But you really have to look at it it's the environmental factors that are leading to these quote unquote, that seeming like natural differences and disparities. But is, do you think that growing up, like tell me your, your situation with that. Is it the same thing with you growing up like me? Yeah. I was playing basketball. I was always around primarily quote unquote black people. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I don't know. I won't even pretend to act like I'm uh, like any authority on the, uh, the, the race uh, issues, I, I'm still learning about it. You know, I, I wanted, I wanted to learn about as learn as much as I can and try to be not only the best teacher for my, all of my students, but to, you know, the, a better person, um, you know, and, it, and it's, it, it's, it's interesting because like, like if you take um, the uh, Beverly Daniel Tatum's book, it's, it's, uh, it's really great uh, because it's, it creates an instant empathy uh, for many people's stories. Um, and uh, you can see it from their point of view, you know, and it's, it's kind of tough because the, uh, oh, sorry, did you leave? No, go, go ahead, I'm just- Oh yeah, no, no worries. Uh, so uh, it, it's, it's tough. I, I think it's tough for the social sciences because you're trying to make empirical evidence off of subjective experiences, but those subjective experiences can't be discounted, you know? And, and also I, I understand the, I'm starting to understand more the benefits of uh, benefits and sort of the flaws of identity politics, right? You'd like to think that you can have you if you have an argument or a point of view, you'd like to be able to be judged on the merits of that argument or that point of view. But at the same time, there's there's also um, I, I totally get the uh, uh, you know the idea that um, uh, especially after talking to my peers, like that there you come uh, being a white person and there's i've never thought about race really um but yeah i mean and 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 that's yeah well yeah it's it i i can see the merit in that argument saying that that it is uh you know privilege but but going back to high school i, I my, my best friend growing up was marquette and and uh i wanted to be just like him uh i even wore do-rags and like try to put waves in my hair and it wouldn't work and um, yeah, me too yeah yeah and it's uh, you know it was and i don't know what that is but i, I remember also uh it, this conversation came up in one of the classes uh or one of the uh book club uh things I have, i'm in a book club reading that book with the other teachers and i remember man growing up in greensboro uh north carolina in the south like 
the, there were kids that would play the, the football team and, and the most explicitly racist people I've ever met in my life. Um, but, you know, and they have the jacked up trucks and redneck and the Confederate flag on the back and all that stuff. And they're bumping rap music, man. And, and so I remember being confused by that. And then I read something in this, this book. Uh, I can't remember if it's this book or another one, but it's about the idea of people who, you, the, the people have the capacity to fetishize black culture and hate black people. Um, and I'm doing this movie right now. I'm writing this movie about Eric Gales as uh, a guitar legend. Uh, and just a terrific human being. And one of uh, the things that we've talked about is uh, a lyric of his, his upcoming album. And it's a movie about his life. And his lyric is, how can you love what I do and hate who I am? And uh, it's, it's, that's some profound stuff, man, you know? And so, but, you know, I, but again, like, I, I, will, I will not pretend to be any kind of authority on that kind of stuff. I have a lot more studying to do. Uh, and I think, I think it's good conversations to have, man. Like, I don't think I've ever really talked about race. I'm, I'm, I'm in a multiracial relationship now. And this, uh, I remember telling her like, man, I've never thought so much about being white in my life and, uh, and, uh, and realize that's, that's actually a pretty good thing. Um, I think you, you just, you need to develop understanding for you about yourself and, you know, about other people and, you know, and, and, and at the end of the day, it's, it's, everybody has this really pristine thing inside of them called consciousness and that, and they all, we all, you know, we all had a day, you know, we all woke up and, we got to go to sleep uh, and we, we have to go through all, all of these things in life. And um, I tend to view life uh, like it's an absolute gift. And if you look at life that way, all the obstacles and problems that might come your way are just learning and growing opportunities, right? Because the people that didn't wake up this morning and they wish they could have those problems and obstacles, you know? And so when you change perspective like that, I, and it takes work, you know, it takes work. I try to teach the kids this stuff and, um, but uh, you know that's the that that's where that's where I'm at right with, with all that stuff. Sorry, that's like a long-winded answer to an innocuous question. <laughs> that was that was kind of a brilliant, like beautiful answer because it brought up so many things. And I mean, I, I just love I I don't because I, like I said I I, I was a I took all the I was in a what's it called. I was in a college where our, our, our special specialty was kind of sociology, uh, dimensions of culture. But yeah, I liked what you brought up about how um, in you, you'll find white people fetishizing the black culture. I know that there was, this, there was this girl who I knew who was a Trump supporter. And she really liked uh 21 savage and she was like oh i love the trap rap music and stuff she's like these guys are brilliant and you know i, I really love it but and i just know for a fact that anybody who's kind of uh, supporting trump with with the types of things that he was saying about quote unquote people of color that there's that there's kind of a uh so, some sort of bias going on against quote unquote people of color. Um, just, it was just based around the, the immaturity that, that he was expressing. Yeah. And yeah, you know, what's interesting about this, this election this year, um, you know, it's, it's just kind of, it's just proof, you know, it, it, this is a totally apolitical statement, but it's just proof that 
that it, it that character does matter as well like you know it's like it, it, the, the president goes beyond you know policies he or she they want to create you know it's just it, it's it, there, there is a um sort of modeling um that i think is important uh, especially for young kids and i always look at through the lens of of my 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 kids man my high school kids that i teach yeah. and i want them to see good models of human beings you know and i want them to to to, to, I mean, to really realize that, like, uh, it, 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 all you can have all the goals and be so goal driven, and you could be the best person at whatever thing, but you also have to be a good human being, you know. It's like it kind of brings like my my. Uh, I grew up with my dad, and uh, you know, it, there was never really any like overt direction uh, in uh, other than like he told me like two things: one, as for a career choice, don't go into retail right <laughs> and because that's what he had been doing and then two like just be a good person you know and that was and and that and you know it was kind of the umbrella effect right it's just if the, if you just have be a good person um and yeah. that, that and that stuff matters man and um i, I think y'all i think it if people it, if we could if we could make that a priority um i think I'll, I, we'd have a lot more people having a better time uh, on the planet and uh, in life in general <laughs> just be a good person yeah that's pretty funny because my dad kind of gave me similar advice too um he, i remember he was trying to tell me how to get girls <laughs> I, I don't i don't want to i'm not bragging nick but growing up and i'm not going to tell get into details but it's something called the swag flow that i discovered in college that i had after i don't want to get into how i discovered it but i lost it in college and like when I saw you recently, I didn't have it anymore. I lost it. But recently I've been trying, you know, I've been studying it. And all of a sudden I've been, you know, just recently, all these girls have been all over me. But but for a while, like, you know, when I met you at that at that event, uh, the table, right? Oh, yeah. My my swag, you know, my swag flow was completely gone. And I was going through a difficult time, you know. But recently I've been working on it again. And but now it's conscious, whereas when I was younger. It was unconscious, but I'm not going to get into details what that is. But I remember, though, when I was younger, I asked my dad, or I don't remember how it got brought up, but my dad was like, yeah, this is the advice I give you. I forget how, how it was brought up. I don't know if I asked about it or what, but he might have just like, yeah, if you're with, with women, just be a really good guy, mm -hmm. you know, like open doors for them and just be really kind and sweet. And then, you know, and that's, that's all you need. And then what, you get this kind of mixed these mixed ideas because then when I'm in college, I'm reading up on the pickup artist and I'm watching these pickup artist guys talking and they confuse you. They're like, no, actually you want to do like reverse psychology and then act like you don't really like them. But then, um, and this has nothing to do with swag flow. This is, that's, that's, that's really what women want to swag flow. All this stuff is, but, but you're like, oh yeah, act like you don't want them and, and do and you have all these like formulas and then you know, some guys are like, oh no, be like a lion. You know, the 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 female lions, they they do all the hunting and the male lion, he just sits back and he's too cool for school. And that's really what women want. And they're coming up with all these formulas, all these ideas, and then it, you get so confused. But yeah, it, it's interesting. Yeah, my dad gave me kind of this similar advice, just like be a be a good guy and be a nice guy. And I think that, that it, it has to be like authentic. You know, some guys are trying to be a quote unquote good guy just to get into women's pants and stuff or to, you know, to manipulate things. But 
I don't know. I guess you can kind of tell if someone's genuinely, you know, in a higher level of consciousness. And I, and I think, you know, one thing I, that I do recognize with you, Nick, is, man, like, I can, I can tell that it's, it's like a, a, a genuine high consciousness that, that you kind of are, are manifesting and presenting. And it's, it's, it's like, a, it's like a healing type of thing. And it's, it's good to be around. And like, for instance, you helped me get in contact with Alex, mm -hmm. who helped me out a little bit with the quadrant model stuff. And I'm really appreciative of that. Yeah, man. And and like you know, you 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 get back to me. You you can't you know you you uh, you message me. You see how how things are going. And I really uh, I'm really grateful for that. And yeah. but I'll I'll tell you, Alex actually helped me out a lot. So Nick Nick uh, I was telling Nick how I wanted to get the quadrant model stuff out, and Nick contacted me. And he told, and he got me in, in touch with his friend. Alex is a very spiritual guy, and and actually this helped out so much, Nick. I don't know how, I don't know if you know how much it, it how, how beneficial it was, but but Alex, he gave me a, he told me to get use my YouTube videos, and to make uh, transcripts out of them. And he showed me how to do that. And he's like, yeah, and then you can make it like into a book type of thing. Or I don't, he didn't really necessarily say that, but he just said, yeah, this is how you make a transcript. Now I make transcripts. So I made transcripts and I was like, well, I have these transcripts. I'm just gonna make a book out of these. Mm -hmm. Well, now if you look at quadramallofreality.tumblr.com, I have books made out of those transcripts I made from lectures in 2013 that I just recently unhid in 2020. Oh, nice. Oh, and, congrats, man. That's great. And, and people are giving me a lot, lot more respect for the book now because people are reading those. They're like, whoa, this is good stuff. But before I had a lot of books, but it was just mainly information. But now it also has a lot of uh, like philosophical stuff that I was talking about in 2013 from those lectures. And I did a really good job in those lectures, yeah. just explaining everything. So now people yeah. are like, yeah, this is, this is, you know, oh, wow. People are starting to show some respect for it. And that's pretty much thanks to you, Nick, because you got me in contact oh, with Alex. Yeah, the Kim Wilbur book, you know, is just Q&A stuff, right? I mean, the, the, uh, What's it called? The it's not. It's a brief history of everything, right? And the and the idea of the whole on transcend and include uh, all that stuff is all like Q and A format. So I I don't know how your transcripts work for the YouTube videos, but um, you know uh, you could probably yeah you probably don't have to edit much. You know, you just take that transcript, put it straight in. Um, but yeah, man, it's good. I you know I appreciate anybody that has a, anybody who's got a top level goal and going towards it every day uh, and. Uh, you know, it sets their priorities towards that goal because you you can really achieve a lot in this life uh, if if you if you if you have that drive. You know, you have to know what that top level goal is, though, right? You have to know it's like your top level goal can be defined as something like your ultimate. I think it's uh, Angela Duckworth or Doctor uh, Angela Duckworth calls it the uh, ultimate concern. Like, what's your ultimate concern? What do you want out of this life? And if you drive every day, making those little. Um, the low level, mid level goals. Sounded now we just turned into self help stuff. But uh, but anyway, it's just driven people. Uh, I find myself, um, you know, attracted to those kinds of people that you know just to in any way. If I can help people, it's great. You know, it's the it. Uh, what's that movie? Uh, uh, well, Kevin Spacey's not a good person, uh, but uh, Kevin Spacey. <laughs> what's it called? Do you know that movie? What is it? Huh? Called? I don't know. 
it's when one with Kevin Spacey, the little kid, and you're like doing positive things, and then you, you do three positive things, and then they do three positive things. Oh man, we got to look it up. Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> no way. Uh, I recently watched a Kevin Spacey movie that was kind of crazy about uh, where where he was playing like himself. They're all they're all in kind of Hollywood, and he he's a he's a father of a son, and the son was kind of ostracized from the family. And uh, or no, the daughter. I don't remember if it was the son or the. I think it was the son. I forget. No, 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 no. It wasn't the son. It was the daughter. She was kind of ostracized from the family. She was in like in the psych ward. They put her in there, and then the son, and then she goes to the go tries goes back to the family, but the family, you know, they they won't talk to her. And then in in the end, Kevin Spacey, I think he was killed with his wife. They they ended up killing their parents. And then the the daughter and the son ended up having like sex at the end. It was kind of crazy. Oh. It was it was kind of it, it was interesting though. The the movie I was referring to is called Pay It Forward, which is much different than one you just described. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. But uh, yeah. So so what were you saying about that though? Yeah, just the pay it forward thing, right? You know, it's like the idea of just doing something good for some. You know, I, I recently read an article. Uh, actually, I didn't even really read the article. I did what most people do and just saw the headline um, where people uh, were going through a drive-through, yeah. right? And uh, they kept, the, per the one person started it, right? They were like, I'm going to pay for my food and the person behind me. And then, you know, the person behind them is like, oh, it, you know, the person in front of you paid already. And they're like, oh, well, I'll pay for the person behind me. And it went on for like 700 people, something like that. Yeah. Um, but I love stories like that, you know, it's the, that we can, I think we have the capacity to do terrible things to each other, but at the same time, we, we also can do really good things for each other. And um, a lot of times, um, especially when news becomes entertainment, um, tend to forget that, you know, tend to just to not show those mundane, but beautiful, positive human moments, you know? Yeah, you only see that sensationalized uh, terror and violence and and fear. Um, you know, uh, when when you're constantly fed that, it's tough to wade through it. You know, and 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 find the uh, find the good human stuff. Um, but yeah, yeah, it, yeah. The in in a, in a transpersonal perspective. So, like, my, my grandpa's a transpersonal psychologist. Mm -hmm. just doing things for other people that helps take you out of yourself and can help facilitate a kind of a, a oneness orientation, which is kind of the flow. Yeah. It can't always, again, you're going to find sometimes find, for instance, let's like look, look at a fundamentalist religious group, giving to people to try to convert them to their group or whatever. Sure. That's, sure. that's kind of self-centered and a self preoccupation. And that, 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 that can, but still it can even be beneficial at times, but, in that it's helping you go outside yourself even even going to a fundamentalist religion if you're so self-preoccupied now at least you're a part of a group that's kind of moving you in the direction of going beyond yourself and then the flow is when you lose yourself yeah 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 and what's, what's so beautiful about um creating things is like and i'm sure you feel it too when you when you explore or like find a new 
place for your quadrant model to work um, and find out how it works. It's like whenever I'm I'm writing and I get that into that flow. It's funny. There's no other word for it other than flow. You know, and and like you think of words. I'm so obsessed with words and how beautiful they are. But the flow doesn't really have cultural baggage to it yet. It doesn't have negative connotations to it yet. It doesn't have any. I mean, at least in my experience, right? But it, but people really do call it flow, and I don't know what it is, but the whole world melts away. It's just me and the keyboard, uh, and mm. just freaking just typing away, man. And uh, and apparently, according to Alana, I type, uh, especially when I'm <laughs> in the flow, man. I, I it's like I'm breaking the keys uh, on my keyboard. I have a like a 12 year old MacBook from my grad school uh, that I work on, and I constantly. You ever have that? Uh, where the keys pop out, you got to put the keys back in. You ever have that issue? Oh, that's, that's pretty wild, man. You got to yeah. get a new MacBook. Yeah, but yeah, it's just that, you know, the, that flow, man, you can get into that flow with creative stuff. You can get that flow, like you said, with anything, you know, and I'm trying to get these kids, um, you know, I, I teach yoga and meditation uh, as a PE class too. Um, and, and I was just trying to get the kids to understand that, when you when you are here and now, when you are present, when you when you are paying attention to one thing, or and then you let go of that attention, right? You just let the mind do whatever it wants. But you're there, right? You are separated from the highway of thoughts, right? You could just see the thoughts coming in and out, right? And and whenever you do that, it's like for me, it's like emptying out all that mental garbage, you know, and then and and kind of resetting, you know. And it, and it only takes like for me, it takes like two to four minutes just you know, sitting there. Uh, but I love Headspace right now. It's a really great app that my kids have been using um, uh, as well. Yeah. It, it, for, for certain kids and growing up in certain environments, it must be more difficult if you have a lot of trauma going on, growing up in poverty and stuff. But yeah, the flow is, is essential. Um, if you want to be like with, with basketball, if you want to be great at anything, you got to, you got to, if so, the more stuck you are in yourself, the more difficult, the less you, the less what you're going to be doing. Yeah. But, but I want to say though, too. Um, <clears throat> okay. Yeah. So, so you're, you're working with the, you're working with the kids. Yeah. I, I it's kind of funny. Cause I also coached uh, basketball in a high school in uh, Kauai. I was assistant coach for a high school JV team. I really love doing that. Yeah, um, that's cool. I like to, because I, I mean, it's another way to study basketball. But I wanna, I wanna say though, I remember you even gave me, uh, you recommended a book for me, Carol Dweckie. Yeah. Uh, growth mindset. You, yeah. You wanna explain that idea? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's a, it's a, it's an idea that I think if you ask any educator, man, they're, they're they, they've heard this story ad nauseum. But um, you know, it's. <clears throat> what's really cool uh, so one of the uh, studies that she did was uh, about praising kids right and so she noticed that when she gave kids just a puzzle right and if the uh person uh, you know executing the um uh the what do you call it? like he's the, the facilitator of the um research if they praise the kid uh like, like first they start off with the easy puzzle right they put the easy puzzle to get it if they praise the kid for their intelligence and say wow i can tell you're really smart right you're really intelligent uh you're able to do that so fast right um 
then the next puzzle that they uh, would ask them would be like, do you want to do a harder puzzle or one that's just like this? And they never, almost never wanted to do the harder puzzle, right? They were set, they were fixed. They didn't want to disprove the, um, the idea that they are not intelligent, right? They didn't want to make a mistake. Now they're so afraid of making mistakes. At the other end, they, uh, the other half of the kids, they, uh, the facilitator would praise their hard work and their efforts, right? So they're like, wow, I can tell you really worked hard on that. Now, would you like the harder puzzle, the easy puzzle? They always picked the harder puzzle, always went for like higher and higher challenges. And, uh, you know, and, and praise is just one part of the growth mindset. It's really cool. Um, uh, it, it's, it's, uh, it partners up really well with grit, uh, which is Dr. Le uh, I just read her book and, and, and doing a lot of research, teaching, doing a unit right now uh, with the kids on grit. Okay, I got you. Passion and perseverance towards top level goals, right? Or your ultimate concern, your, your, your uh, long-term goals kind of thing. And really it's your top level goal is really something that's not really attainable, right? It's really the pursuit of that top level goal, right? So the only, uh, the only research that's been proven to increase kids' grit or people's grit is by teaching them through growth mindset. Growth mindset is, uh, is the only scientifically uh, or scientifically proven way to increase anyone's grit, right? And what's important about grit is that it's, um, it's the number one characteristic of the most successful people in any industry, right? In any industry, the military, business, entrepreneurship, whatever, right? The number one characteristic is grit, right? Yeah. So, uh, and, that, and, and, and it supersedes all the ways that you could categorize people. So she's not economic status, uh, the ra uh, racial, uh, racial ethnicity, uh, their upbringing, their neighborhood they grew up in, all of that stuff. You know, of course, some people are advantaged and disadvantaged and all that. But the number one characteristic, a part of their personality is grit. And it's really cool. Um, you know, it's like, it's, it's like, man, what, what we need to be teaching this to the kid, like, we need to have this be the driving force for these kids, you know, and teaching them through growth mindset. Um, and I think that parents, parents, especially, if they if they read the the mindset thing and really executed the ideas with Carol Dweck in the mindset book, um, you know they'd really be conscious of the way they praise kids because uh, it's so important, um, you know, and it's it, it's it's really uh, you can really do a disservice by being a good parent and praising your kid for being so smart, but you can really be doing a disservice to the amount of growth. That they that uh, that they had the potential for, you know, and look, dark school, yeah, 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 and and so, and but my my parents were always uh, were always about that. like they they um, they they always praised the effort. Just, they just always do the best you can, right? I remember one time it it just happened, just occurred to me now. I just had this image of high school where I did um, there was an assignment. And I was like, I, I looked at my friend uh, in high school and he never really tried that hard. You just get a C and be fine with it, right? So I thought, ah, screw it. Like, I'll just turn in, uh, you know, a, a half effort assignment. And, you know, and, and I remember crying when I got home because I, I just, I, I, I can't give less than my best effort uh, or, or I just don't feel right. And, and I think that's a large credit to the way my parents raised me. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah that, it's a great book, great research. 
I'm, I'm thinking right now of my life. And I think, yeah, a huge amount of success has to do with just being fortunate. I think one, one aspect with me, because I don't know if you know this, Nick, but growing up and hopefully, you know, I'm planning to get my, one of my friends, dad says he has a lot of videos, years worth of videos of when I played when I was younger. And I have other friends who also say that they might have videos, but I'm, I, I want to kind of get the quadrant stuff, you know, respected because I feel like some people might just think it's crazy at this point. And then I want to ask people to, you know, hopefully get DVDs and all that stuff. And, but like I said, I'm going to, I'm going to try to get in contact with my friend, maybe a little bit after the pandemic, a little bit, see if I can hopefully get this stuff. But I was a really good shooter. Like I was playing on the best teams in the country. We were going to the AU nationals and I mean, I was, I was making like five, three pointers consistently. People like a lot of people did consider me the best shooter in the nation at that time, go all the way up to 12. And then I don't want to get into details about how my shot got messed up as a shootaway machine. We don't need to get into all that, but, but yeah, so, but I'm thinking, why, why was I so good with it? And really I didn't, it was because I didn't know what the heck I was doing. Number one, but also because, yeah. So if you're thinking, the more you're like stuck in yourself and thinking, the worse you're going to be. But also, though, I, I had a good fortune of my dad. When I was younger, my dad would tell me, and I don't want to get into details about it because I don't want to make people think, but he would tell me, shoot sideways. Most coaches tell players to shoot square. But my dad, he saw me shooting, and, and I wasn't shooting square. I was shooting sideways. So my dad was like, shoot like that. Shoot like you shoot. Again, my dad was a big-time water polo player. He was an Olympic-level water polo player. So he probably already had some – um some background with sports. So he might've already kind of known that a lot of times coaches don't know what they're talking about. So that was one thing that helped me is, and so I would always do that, not doing what the coaches would say. And I even had coaches tell me like, Hey, yeah, no, don't shoot like that. Shoot square and stuff. But my dad would say, don't listen to him. Thank goodness. I had my dad. And then I ended up being, you know, considered the best shooter in the nation, you know, doing huge stuff, uh, playing on the best teams in the country. Um, you know, winning, winning an AU national championship and stuff. It's because I was doing like, I was doing it that way. That was not what most people teach. It's kind of interesting how that works. So that, so there's also like, yes, yeah, a huge part of it is hard work, but also having like good fortune, like having someone like my dad who, who helped with that, then we don't need to get into the shoot away thing, but how that ended up messing up my shot. Cause then I couldn't shoot regular cause it wasn't natural, but, but so, but yeah, so, so yeah, there's stuff like that, but then yes, one thing that I did was I was constantly shooting. I was constantly practicing. I was constantly playing basketball. And it really is, yeah, there's, there's an aspect of talent for sure. But what really separates the people is how much they're working. How, and, and that, this was kind of the paradox with the shootaway machine that my dad got me was he thought, okay, if I get this shootaway machine, you're gonna get 500 shots a day, but I'm getting 500 shots, but I'm shooting wrong. That was the problem. But, but he, he had the right idea in mind he had the right motivation and intention. And that was, yes, you want to be shooting as much as possible. You want to be playing as much as possible, doing everything. And, and really what separates people and, and Malcolm Gladwell talks about this in the book outliers. I was just going to say that. Yeah. yeah. Is how much you're going at it. Yeah. And that's, that's really a fact. And I've seen it and people, people are uh, skeptical of this and they'll be like, Oh, well, what about all those guys like Allen Iverson? You know, Allen Iverson was working all out, going all out. He'd put in those thousands, thousands of hours, and that's just a myth. And even that interview where Allen Iverson was like, "Oh, it's just it just takes oh practice. So who needs practice?" That was kind of taken out of context. Um, yeah. And then and then and then more moreover, he's right though. Yeah, 
the people who are like super rigid and like trying hard, but it's like they're they're trying to try hard. Yeah, that doesn't help. Like sure. You, you got you got you got to be loose in in a in a good thing. Like even like rapping, what spontaneity and yeah. effortless effortless action is 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 essential. But you get yeah. that to that level in in large part after huge amounts of practice. Even when I did rap music, you think that I just was a great rapper? I was do I was rapping with my friends growing up all the time, and I wasn't even that good. But I, I was I was decent, but but I was doing it. And then and now when I was in high school, I, every day going to going to school, I was living with my friend Afam because my dad kicked me out of the house. And and every morning when we're driving to driving to school, I'm rapping with him, freestyling. And even then, I wasn't even that you know I wasn't that good. But then in college, I have a tape recorder. I'm going everywhere. Where I'm I'm rapping. I have probably had like a hundred thousand hours worth of rapping. Then finally one day, accidentally, my tape recorder broke, and I started to freestyle write. And, and it was just because I had so many rhymes coming in my head at once. So yes, I had talent. I had a capacity to come up with rhymes only when I was playing basketball, only when I was nervous, but I was doing that. And then, and then I read it to my cousin just accidentally. It was because I was putting in all this work and then a, a miraculous accident happened. And then my cousin was like, oh, that, that rap that you just gave me, that was amazing. So then I, so I adopted this practice of freestyle writing. It's called free writing, but it only, it only emerged kind of, kind of, like I said, accidentally because my, my thing broke, but that only could have happened because I was putting in so much effort and going all out all the time. And then I developed a really great way to freestyle, right? So, but my point is, if you're going to be the best at anything, you're going to have to put in those thousands of hours. And another thing is it's people think that they're going to be seeing progress, but you got to be kind of crazy to be the best at anything because for the first like thousand hours, you're, you're going to be, you might get like steady improvements, steady improvements and stuff, or maybe sure. no improvements at all. But then once you put in that like 3000 hour, it's like punctuated equilibrium yeah. in, uh, in evolution. Then there's like a, a, a jolt, a quantum leap. Yeah. And all of a sudden you, you develop a new, you're in a whole new mode. Yeah. That's what it called. Uh, that's, that's breaking the, uh, what Malcolm Gladwell called the, uh, like, okay, plateau right? Where you're, where you're okay at, right? And that's, that's how we broke as humans. That's how we broke the four minute mile. Right. And then once that one person did it, a flood of people were able to do it. Yeah. And you know, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's not grit doesn't guarantee you any success in life. It's true. But the, but all of those successful people, you know, uh, they have grit as a part of all of many different characteristics many di different fortunes, uh, good fortunes, uh, you know, along the way. And that, that's the main part of it, right? It's in, and the thing is like today's world, um, you know, you, you have a million things competing for your attention all at the same time. So all of these long-term goals are wicked hard to, to, uh, to, to strive for. But I mean, like what, what's, there's hardly anything that, I mean, I have to really focus hard to, to, um, you know, to, to read books, right. And to, um, read articles all the way through. Cause it's just, everything's buzzing. Everything's like yelling at me, like trying to, trying to uh, capture my attention. Um, but you know, but it, but it's a good problem to have, you know, it's like, I, you always have to look at it as like an interesting issue. Cause I still want to write books. Um, and I think, I think it's an interesting time to be writing books, especially fiction. Cause I don't think a lot of people, I, I think, I think people actually, I think I saw something that said that people are actually reading more than they have ever uh, before, but they're reading like articles and they're reading uh, Reddit posts and, you know, things like that, right? Threads. But, um, yeah, you know, yeah, but it's an interesting yeah, time to be yeah. a fiction writer, you know? It's an interesting time because there's so many things that are competing against you 
you have that that inter interesting challenge to capture you know their attention with a good story um so yeah anyway i, I gotta head out man nick nick really quick can i just mention one more thing before you head out oh yeah yeah because I want to mention this in terms of, uh, and then next time I want to talk to you more about the movies and stuff you're working on, but, but real quick, I just want to mention this. So I noticed this when I was coaching basketball Yeah, is, is you'll find the kids who are like too cool for school and, and, and they're, and they're not, they're not going all out and they're, and they're like, and they're, they're not, they're always getting surpassed. And I noticed that even like in the NBA with, with I'm not going to mention who it is. I know people who played in the NBA and they're the ones who are passed up. It's because they, they don't have it. They're, they're not going all out. They're not, they're not like Steph Curry. They're not going like full, put full speed. But then there's also more dimensions to this though, Nick, because this is what I'm thinking. Why was I considered so good with this stuff? It was because I was, I was effortless and I wasn't thinking. And I see the kids who are like that, who have that mode of operation, that mode of being where they're just like automatic. And they're the ones who are going all out, but then I'm seeing the ones who are who are thinking and, and, and worried too much about how they look and stuff. And they're the ones who are, are who are memorizing ways to do things. And, yeah. and it's not just like automatic. So, so then, they, then they're not. So, and then also there's other event things. Like I said, my, my, I had the, I had the serendipity of having like a dad who, who helped me in these ways. And, and that can help me to not think more. So I could just, my dad would tell me if there's anything wrong with my shot and then I wouldn't have to think about it. So I had the help. And that, that type of, and then for instance too, like with my studying, I've spent so many thousands of hours studying, but I also have the good fortune that I went to great schools where I had good teachers that could give me good ideas and that could, and then from those ideas, I can build, build. And I'm not, I'm not saying it's just my environment. Yes. Also aspects, you know, my hard work and stuff like that got me into that school. Yeah. But at the same time, also there's so many environmental factors that, that led to that. And yeah. then. For instance, too, like with my with my grandpa, uh, when he would study with me so much, he's I wouldn't be reading all these books. I don't know, like you, you're, you're doing this amazing stuff. I don't know who, what type of help you have, but with with ha having my grandpa, who's a transpersonal psychologist, who has all these great ideas, it gives me the the desire to read these books and also the you know the motivation to do it because I can feel I feel like okay, I can read it, and then I would ask my grandpa questions about it, and then he could help me give me understanding. So I yeah. wouldn't feel like I was wasting my time. So then that would help me. So, so a part of all this, you know, working 10,000 hours is yeah. Having the coaches, having an environment yeah. that, that is a high level environment to where, you know, you're going to get something out of it. Yeah. And, but it's important to like, what can you control, right? If you yeah. could teach kids what they can control in spite of their environment, in spite of yeah. the misfortunes or good fortunes, right? If you could start there, there's a foundation to be had, right? And then, then now you're creating a higher chance of better potentiality within the kid, right? Or within the person. Um, but like going back to what she said, yeah, if you are constantly thinking about how your shot is during the game, you're doing something wrong, right? There's three stages to motor skill development, uh, according to uh, the physical education books that I read, right? There's the cognitive stage, that's the beginning stage, where you're constantly going over the cues, right? Elbow in, uh, you know, elevate, you know, beef and all that stuff, right? Uh, then there's the associative stage where you're mimicking other people. Uh, and then also uh, you're getting away from the cues, right? You're, you're just trying to get into the flow, right? Then there's the autonomous stage, right? Where you're just, you're in the flow. You already know it, right? You just take that shit. You don't even have to think. And uh, when you're in the autonomous stage, the way the motor programs work, right? The way that you can learn how to ride a bike, right? And then never forget it, right? 
All, all of those motor programs are created up here, obviously, but then they're stored, that information is stored in the spinal reflexes. So it's very quick. So you don't have to think. There's no thinking involved anymore when you're in that autonomous stage. Uh, and then so you have that, those skills readily available. Uh, so it's really interesting how that, all that stuff works, man. I'm uh, glad to talk to you more about it. Really quick, there, there's, there's four levels, ready? It's the, right. un, the, the unconscious uh, incompetent, then the, then the conscious incompetent, then you go to conscious competent, and then you go to unconscious competent. And that's a flow level, the fourth one. Sure, yeah. And so same, you can break that down any way you want, but yeah, it's the same. That's the same autonomous stage, right? So it's autonomous because you don't have to think, right? Yeah. And, and it's interesting. We talked to you more, uh, Nassim Nicholas Taleb's books are, are fantastic, man. I think you'll really like, especially anti-fragile. So the idea that, you know, you really, really don't have an antonym to fragility, right? You don't have an antonym for, for fragility. Uh, there, it, people think it's robust or sturdy or resilience, right? But resilience and robust, all that means is the ability to go through a chaotic event and bounce back to its original state, right? But being anti-fragile means going through a chaotic event and being better and benefiting from it, right? It's the idea of like, instead of dropping your cell phone and it cracking, right, being fragile, you drop your cell phone and then two brand new ones come up. Right. That's the idea of being anti-fragile. And it goes, you know, he's an options trader. Right. So he's constantly betting against the market. He's a crisis seeker in a way. Right. So he's constantly losing money when the market's behaving normally. But as soon as that market behaves abnormal, that I mean, you're talking about like a 600, 800 percent, you know, uh, gain that day. And that, that, that's where, you know, he's made his fortune. Um, but it, it, so it's an interesting philosophy. We'll talk more about it. He also, in Black Swan, especially, I mean, all of his books are the same. It, it's basically the same book over and over, but but scaffolding and, and chunking the information from the first one. Um, quick, 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 quick takeaway, Nick, is before, before we go, is is we're just going back to Carol Dweckie. Yeah. We can't, we can't really control our our genes or IQ or whatever. Yeah. The environment stuff that affects it, but all you can control is how hard you work, how yeah. your, your, your orientation, your, your level of aliveness, your level of participation. And, and are you going to go all out or are you, you know, so, and that's what separates the, the, the top, the top level from the low level always. And that's really the main only thing is how many hours did you put in? And, yeah, that's that's what that's what can change. But we also what we can do is we can help to change. Okay, what we can't control is people's genes or people's, you know, like physical factors. Uh, yeah. But people, factors. Are, but we, well, people aren't born smart. People aren't born talented. They're born with advantages and disadvantages. Sure, higher brain functionality, uh, all that stuff. They grow up in a good home, right? But. But, they, but it's the idea that, that you have to get rid of that fallacy that people are born smart, people are born talented. You have to work towards that. But the, the idea behind the growth mindset, that's, that's key. Like I talked a little bit about the praise, but the key part is looking at problems and obstacles that come along your way as learning and growing opportunities, right? You, you have to, instead, a fixed mindset meets a problem and then goes backwards or stays plateaus, right? Like they don't want to be found out to be not smart right or not talented yeah. right you have to i want to talk about that dude oh, yeah God. yeah anyway but all right man hey, hey, but, but but nick what, what we can do though is we can change environment 
See, we, we can't change yeah. the innate stuff, but we can help to create more harmonious, prosperous, you know, better environments. And that's what like LeBron James is doing in the ghettos right now. He's trying to help to, to create facilities and places where there's better education and, and higher level environments. And that's what we can do. And, and then, because yeah, and, and that's, that's what can help. That, yeah. that, that's the thing yeah 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 we'll talk more about it man it, it, it's interesting you know and and i think that um you know we talked about at the beginning like you know the uh, all these um you know like bill gates everybody just reading a lot of books honestly man it's the it's been one of the best things of my my of my life uh you know reading all of these books because i, I didn't have a preset list of books i mean sure i'm influenced by like i'm like i can't I always wonder like what's bill gates reading and why, if he's reading it, should I be reading it? You know, that, that kind of thing. So, but but at the same time, I'm kind of just going with the flow of what whatever is available at the library at the time or whatever I just pull off the shelf, you know? So it's good stuff, man. And, uh, you know, and uh, when you have passion uh, towards uh, something, you know, it's it, you're, you have unlimited potential. Dude, I got so much more I want to talk about, Nick. Yeah, man. We'll talk later though, bro. All right. I gotta get going for sure. Okay, okay. next time we talk. Hey, next time we talk, we're gonna talk about stereotype effect. Okay, I don't know yeah. much about that. I'm no no authority on that, but go ahead. Okay, and, and yeah, and and like basketball and, and jumping and stuff. I'll, I'll just I'll just say this really quick, dude. Really quick. One thing that 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 I noticed when I was playing basketball this summer at Compton College or before that, or or at University of Los Angeles, is I didn't want to be jumping too much, like to get rebounds and stuff, or or like trying to dunk, because I didn't want to look bad. And, and a part of that is because, because I wasn't, I haven't been jumping for a long time, you know, so I didn't want to, so I wasn't doing it. And then you see, because I wasn't doing it because I was too afraid how I looked. Yeah. Now I'm not going to be getting to the next level because you dropped, other, you dropped into that cognitive stage. You're thinking. Yeah. Well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm worried about how I look. I'm doing what the, what, I, I, I want to look, be smart. I want to be the best. So I'm not. So then what what's happening is the other kids are going to be jumping more. They're practicing jumping more. I'm too afraid to look bad. So then I'm not going to get to that next highest level. But if I'm the one, like if when I was younger, I would be jumping all the time, trying to touch the rim all the time. Yeah. So yeah, if, if you're worried too much about how you look, yeah, that, that affects it. But then at the same time though, I was playing at ULA the whole summer and I was doing, and I was afraid to jump, but then I was jumping a lot regardless. Cause I was doing so much. So then when I got to Compton college at the end of the summer, now my jumping was good. So now I was jumping more to, you know, I wasn't afraid to jump in and, and try to get above the rim and stuff because I was already at that level again. And now, now I can get exponentially more and more. So yeah, again, how much hours are you putting in? But yeah, you gotta, you gotta overcome these hurdles, but yeah, you're gonna put, put in more hours if you're good. It, and, and it's all, yeah, but really all we can do is put in all the hours. And then, and then once you start, once you start being really good, now you're gonna be practicing with better players. And then this stuff just exponentiates. Yeah, yeah, exponentiates. yeah. All right, man. I got to go to my student teacher meeting. <laughs> I got a student All right, bro. Hey, I'm so sorry for keeping you longer, dude. Yeah, no, no worries, bro. All right. Hey, but, but next time, next time. Yeah, man. Later. All right, bro. Peace.